This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Now, welcome to the great adventure. We are going to have some fun and uh, um, in more ways than one. It's, uh, it's going to be a great journey. It's a, it's, in some ways, it's a five-week journey, and in some ways, it's a rest-of-the-lifetime journey. I can tell you this, if it turns out to be only five weeks for you, then you will have never gotten past base camp. Because uh, for me, I'm praying and trusting that's going to be a lifetime journey. And uh, so, welcome aboard. I'm excited to, to speak to you over the next five weeks. And uh, we're going to be exploring the great adventure in many, many, many ways. For those of you who are here for the first time, um, got a lot of stuff to say to you, so let's just get right down to it. On the inside of your program, you'll find a half page of fill-in-the-blank notes. Grab those, take the pencil that's in the seat back in front of you, and get ready to fill in the blanks as, as we walk along and move through this. Um, let's talk just a minute about adventure, because there are some things that are common to adventure that are important for you to know. I get out the dictionary. Okay, I went to dictionary.com, all right? And, and I looked up the word adventure. I thought, what are the chief components that would be involved in any form of adventure? And Bob already talked to you about one this morning, and it's, it's the concept of risk is always involved in adventure. That means that adventures are usually reserved for people who are bold and courageous, Because people that are not willing to take risks get no sense of adventure in life. Because there's always a tension between trading the the feelings of safety for the feelings of of, of risk and adventure. And you know, that's also true in any adventure that we take with God. There's always the the availability of the safe road that requires nothing new of us, nothing unknown from us. There's no sense of risk at all involved in it. You can just do what you've always done. I sat with a pastor this week and he was telling me about the church that he's leading. And he's telling me that they have a nest egg and their nest egg they're burning through at a point that a, a year from next month, if they don't change anything, they'll be out of business. And I said, what does your leadership say? And he said, you know, that's it. it's just crazy. I sit down with our elders and I point that out to them and, and they go, guess we'll deal with it when it happens. Well, don't you think we ought to be doing something now? And they go, no, we're pretty comfortable doing what we've been doing. You get the sense there's not a lot of adventure in those meetings? What do you think? No, no adventure at all. So there's a whole concept of, of risk. A, a second part of adventure is the concept of the unknown. You know, if you know everything beforehand, there's no real adventure in that. There's the whole concept of the unknown. And I want to invite you on that journey with God. Because I can tell you this, after walking with God for many, many years... Every time that I've gotten a sense of adventure and I've invited God into my life to do something that's, 
that's adventurous, there's always a component of the unknown. It's the uncharted. God doesn't sit down with the map and say, Ron, here's where I'm going to take you. Here's every little jog. Here's every little turn. Here's every little vista. But that's what makes it a sense of adventure. Because as you get on that adventure with God and you're hiking up the mountain with God, you come around a corner and all of a sudden there's a magnificent view that you didn't even expect. A few years ago, a good friend of, of mine and, and a good friend that's becoming one of ours, John Gabriel, who is a, a, a missionary and a pastor from southern India, was here. He was in northern California. He was actually here at New Life. And, and so I was going to spend two or three days with him. And one of the places I wanted to take him was Yosemite because of its breathtaking scenery. And I invited him to go, and he wasn't really excited about it. I could tell he wasn't really excited about it. But I thought, I'm going to take him there anyway. So we got in a car and we drove. And it's not exactly a short drive from here to Yosemite, right? And we're having a great time visiting and a great time visiting. And we're driving on these mountain roads and and so forth. And, And the views are kind of pretty and so forth. But we come around a corner and there is Half Dome just sitting right there between two mountains and, and there's a vista point, and I pull over to the side of the road at the vista point, and we get out, and we're taking pictures, and as we're walking back to the car, he goes, this is like one of the prettiest places in the world. I said, yeah, that's why I wanted to take you here. And he said to me, oh, I thought you said cemetery. <laughs> You know, there wasn't any great adventure that he was thinking about, thinking I was taking him to some cemetery. We've driven three hours to get to a cemetery. It's the thrill of the unknown oftentimes that heightens the excitement when we get to experience it. So so you've got that sense of, of... of adventure that comes from taking risks and and the unknown. But there's also a third component, and that's the anticipation of a positive result. You know, you and I have headed into things that had risk, and we've headed into things that had the unknown about them, but we've headed into them with a sense of dread and fear because we realized that the chance of a good outcome was not all that likely. We don't call those adventures, okay? We call those nightmares, we call those heartaches, we call those, you know, sagas, dramas, or whatever you want to call them, but, but they're not something that we head into with any sense of real excitement. It's more a sense of trepidation. Can I tell you, when God invites us on an adventure, yeah, there's the unknown, and yes, there's that concept of risk, But I want to tell you that when God invites you on an adventure, it's always with the anticipation of a positive result. And I can assure you, Bob already showed you a 35-day prayer guide that we're going to be giving to all of you this morning. I can assure you that if you take that 35-day prayer guide and you reserve 10 to 15 minutes each day and you sit down and you connect with God and you do it with purpose and you don't do it as a, okay, I checked that off my list. But if you do it with an open heart to God and say, God, I'm expecting you, I'm inviting you, I'm asking you in the next 35 days to come into my life in a fresh new way, to come into my life and do something in my life that you've never done before. And God, I don't even know what that might be. 
But that's the thing that makes it adventuresome, is the fact that I don't know. And, and God, I don't know what you're going to require of me in this new chapter of my life. That's the sense of risk. But I do know this, God, because you were good and because you would always call me to goodness, I come into this adventure with an anticipation of a positive result because of who you are. So that's where we're headed. Now let's, let's take a look at the first key understanding. Because you will see, we're talking about the great adventure, and look on the top of your notes. This is the adventure of what? The adventure of life, and who are we talking about? Adam and Eve. So let's go way back to the beginning because there's some things that you and I are going to learn. And here's the key understanding that you need to have right up front. God always intended for life to be an adventure. And you go, howdy. Mine sure has been, right? God always intended. How do I know God always intended life to be an adventure? Well, let's take a look at some decisions that God made and what He did. And the first thing that God decided to do is something that you find on the very first page of your Bible. It says that God said, let us make man in our own image. I'm going to read this to you later. So in the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. Do you realize how historic that is? From what we know of reading the Bible and from what we know of what God has revealed to us, never before in the history of anything had God ever mixed and mingled His image with that of any other creature. Angels are angels. Dogs are dogs. Animals are animals. God was God. But never before had God taken His own image and put it on any other creature. Friends, you and I are honored and blessed to be part of that great experiment. We are part of God's great adventure. Was there risk in God's adventure? The risk was that we might sin. Did we get that done? Unfortunately, all too well. Yeah. Was there risk in the unknown for God? Yes, there was. Did He do this with the anticipation of a positive result? Yes, even so much that we'll see that God stepped forward to redeem us and put us back on the track so there could be a positive result from this great adventure God went on with us. So that was... Step number one that would indicate life was going to be an adventure not only for us, but also for God. Let's take a look at the second thing that God did. God gave us an eternal soul that was capable of building a relationship with Him. God gave you and I, He gave us this, this, this ability to comprehend and process complex and abstract things that other creatures don't. For instance... He gave us the ability to comprehend and process a concept as abstract as time. Or, or the complexities of something like love or grace, forgiveness, 
You know, you might say those things to your dog, but trust me, your dog does not comprehend grace. It's not made in the image of God. God gave us this eternal soul, this ability to comprehend something like intelligent design and to look at the world and to deduce from looking at the world that there has to be a God, there has to be a Creator, because the design that we see around us is not possible by accident. God gave us that kind of soul. He gave us a soul that has the ability to connect with a God that we've never seen. And over the next 35 days, hopefully, we're all going to take that ability and carry it up to the next level in this great adventure with God. Well, that is an adventure, to connect with a God that we've never seen. And the third thing that God did is this. God designed an adventurous world for His new project. You look at our world, and it's truly amazing. It's got waterfalls and mountains and cliffs and valleys, and it's got all kinds of creatures. I mean, think about it. Would you have come up with a hammerhead shark on your own? Probably not, huh? You know, and I think every once in a while, you know, God just looked down the annals of time and he saw that we were going to get really slick and we were going to, we were going to categorize all the creatures into these various categories of mammals and reptiles and amphibians and all that kind of stuff. And God says, I'm going to make a duck-billed platypus. Let me see you categorize that one. Yeah. It's just, God was having fun. He made this wonderful world that's just filled with adventure. And when God got all done creating it, and God created Adam and Eve, the first man and the first woman, God gave them some initial commands. We have them summarized in five short verses in the first chapter of the Bible. And we're going to look at those five verses, and I won't be able to speak to everything that's in those five verses, but we're going to lift out three little words or phrases, actually. And we're going to see a lot about God's intent for what Adam's and Eve's life should be like, and also for their descendants, and that would be you and me. So what was God's idea of this great adventure of life? Well, let's take a look at His instructions. So God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, Look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. I've given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that's what happened then. God looked over all He had made, and He saw it was what? Very good. God said, I'm going to love this adventure, this new project. So let's pull these three phrases out and take a look at what they mean. Here's the first one. God said, be fruitful and multiply. 
There's a lot wrapped up in that little phrase. But if I had to put it in one phrase, it would be this. God wants us to experience the adventure of building families, of creating communities, and shaping cultures. It was all wrapped up in be fruitful and multiply. Adam and Eve were going to have kids, and their kids were going to have kids, and those kids were going to have kids. It was going to be a multi-generational thing. And God said, I want you to have that adventure. And God put something different in us than He put in all the other creatures. And that's the sense of family, the sense of community, and the sense of culture. Let's talk about each one of those for just a minute. The sense of family. When I was growing up, we had a cat. And the cat would have a litter of kittens every year. And they were fun little tykes to raise, and they were born with their eyes closed and, and so forth. And, 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 and they were fun to hold, but eventually they'd get their eyes open. And then they went through that cute little phase where their tails were stuck straight up in the air, right? And they looked like they, that their mother was nursing them on some sort of liqueur. Because they'd walk and fall down, and yeah, it was just fun. And then they grew up a little bit more, and then they would start to fight and tussle together, and and they were fun to wrestle with and play with, and 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 the, the mother would take them out on walks and would give them training and basic hunting, and you could see all that stuff. And then one day, the whole gang would disappear, and we wouldn't see the mother cat for three or four days. Wouldn't see any of the kittens. They went with her. And then three or four days later, the mother cat would show up. No kittens. Gone. She took them on a long walk in the woods and said, It's been nice knowing you. God bless you for a lifetime. That was it. Every year, same thing. You know, the interesting thing is, You couldn't say that the mother cat didn't love those kittens. She did as much as God gave her the ability to. But there was no sense of real family. There was no sense of a multi-generational family. There was no sense of aunts and uncles and cousins and grandpas and grandmas and, and, and the sense of being families and learning how to live together and share life together and grow old together and do all the stuff that we do because we've been made in the image of God. It's an adventure having a family. Am I right? Because your family has nuts and fruits in it just like mine, right? Yeah. It's just an adventure. It was part of God's design. Now you take a whole bunch of families and you put them together in one locale and what do you get? You get a community. Now you not only have the fun of taking all these different individuals and putting them together in a family, you get the fun and the the adventure and the challenge of taking a whole bunch of individual families and putting them together in a cooperative effort called a community. That has another whole layer of adventure built around it. God said, I want you to have that. And you know, we enjoy that here. We use the word community a lot. We just got done with a series of sermons called Community, Taking the Journey Together. 
And whether it's the community we have as a church and learning how to take all the families even represented in this room and all the families represented in the second service that will be in this room and all their kids and grandkids and grandparents and all that kind of stuff and and pulling us together in a community of faith and learning how to work and share life together and ministry together. It's got a wonderful sense of adventure to it. But then God said, I've got another whole layer I want to fold over the top of that. It's called culture. And God said, I'm going to create some cultural distinctives. Because originally, man wasn't all that keen about multiplying and going to the ends of the earth. Talk about that in a minute. So you know what God did? He created cultural distinctives. So we have those. Some of the more obvious ones are the color of our skin or the shape of our eyes. But there are many other cultural distinctives that are less obvious to the human eye. But I'll tell you what, if you've ever lived in a multicultural place, there's a sense of adventure to that. It's got its positives and it's got its challenges. For six years, my family and I lived on the island of Oahu in Hawaii, where there are 263, at least 263 major different languages that are spoken as the primary language in a group of households on that little island. Multicultural experience. We drive different in cultures. We dress differently in cultures. We eat different kinds of food. It's it's a pretty amazing thing. Talk a little bit about that later on when I talk to you about heaven. But boy, what an adventure. God said, be fruitful and multiply. He said, I want you to have those challenges. I want you to have those adventures. It was his idea that life would be this great adventure. Let's take a look at the second phrase out of this. He said, fill the earth. That means that God wants us to set our sights on the unachieved and the unexplored. He said to fill the earth. He wasn't just saying, have babies. Okay? Some of you have seen that commercial. I forget. It's about vitamin water or something, right? All the animals in the office. And, you know, you're going to have to work hard. Well, what about Dora? She's going to have babies. That's a 37. It's a rabbit, right? That's a 37th time this year, right? It wasn't, it wasn't just having babies. When God said, fill the earth, he was talking about, I want you to take your families. I want you to take your communities. I want you to take your cultures to the ends of the earth. So I want you to think about this little phrase here for a minute. Do you think about the difference between local and global? Because what God was really saying to Adam and Eve, I don't want you just to think locally. I want you to think globally. And you know what happened to Adam's and Eve's descendants? They all got together and they said, we don't like the idea of global. We like the idea of local. We don't want to be scattered across the face of the earth. We want everyone to stay right here. So they decided to build a tower for the expressed purpose of doing the opposite of what God said. 
And if you read Genesis chapter 11, you know that God was not happy about that. And so right there on the spot, God confused their languages and diffused them to the ends of the earth because God wanted Adam and Eve and their descendants to know, I was serious about it when I said, I want you to think globally, not just locally. I want you to think about taking your families and your communities and your cultures to the very ends of the earth. That was always a part of God's plan. Early on in in our nation's history, there was this phrase that said, go west. Well, we live in the west, right? And if those pioneers, those trailblazers, had decided not to go west, but to think only locally, then the United States would all be on the eastern seaboard of this continent. But instead... There was that spirit of adventure that carried them across amazing natural barriers, rivers, and and mountain ranges, and canyons. And even to this day, even when I drive, let's say, to Lake Tahoe, and I go up over Donner Pass, and I think, can you imagine trying to go over this with a horse and wagon? The sense of adventure in the unknown that God has placed in the human spirit was all there. God said, we should take it to the ends of the earth. Now the third phrase is is even less obvious up front, but it's more impacting even in our lives. And God said, I want you to govern it. We should underline the word govern. And then he said, reign over the fish in the sea. We should underline that word reign. The birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. That, in the original language, that word govern or reign literally means to take dominion over through investigation. You know what I find amazing? I don't know how many years man has been on the face of the earth. We can verify pretty easily in terms of what we actually know and not just guessing we can verify several thousand years of history for man eight to ten at least in terms of written history now think about this for at least eight to ten thousand years we've taken the best and the brightest minds in our world and we've investigated god's creation how does it work what makes it work what makes a bird fly? When I was in Portland recently, uh, one of the things that was up at the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry was a whole uh, touring display from Leonardo da Vinci's life. And we spent a couple of hours going through that. It was amazing. The various contraptions that he came up with to try to be able to figure out how to get man to fly like a bird. What makes a bird fly? What makes a hummingbird be able to fly backwards? makes a bumblebee be able to fly? What makes a tiny little earthworm be able to chisel its way through things like adobe soil? Think about that. What makes this whole thing work? It's God stamped that in our nature so that when we see a mountain that has never been climbed, we say, I'll climb that thing. And somebody does. Why? Because God put within us this desire to figure out how things work. 
That, by the way, might help you have a little more patience with your three-year-old son who tends to tear apart everything you give him. Now, you might have to teach him how to direct it, but we have this natural, inquisitive nature that wants to know how things work. Why? Well, here's what I wrote down, because here's what God wants us to do. He wants us to manage the world for the good of all. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not here necessarily to be a, quote, green pastor, all right? But I want you to know that the great push in our world today, and that, no, it's not all motivated by pure motives. I understand that. But the idea of managing God's creation for the good of all of His creatures and also to bless and please Him, that's something God put deep within our nature as human beings. It was part of reigning over the birds of the air, the creatures on the ground. It's managing those resources in ways that bless God and bless other people. And you know something? I, for one, think that the people of God ought to be the ones most sensitive to the management of all of God's resources. That's what God's called us to. Beginning with spiritual resources, which is why we're here to connect with God. To take advantage of the spiritual soul and spirit that God has given us and get it connected with Him and say, God, do something new and fresh in me so that my walk with you and my walk with other people and my work in ministry has a whole new dimension to it, something fresh and wonderful. It's that sense of adventure, God, that I want. So what does all that look like at New Life? Well, let me wrap it up for you briefly, and then we'll talk about where we're going to go in this particular great adventure. Here's how it gets applied at New Life. First of all, we are dedicated to the adventure of building families, of influencing our community, and also of improving our culture. As a church, we work at all of those. So if you're married... We want to help you build a great family. If you're married and you've got kids, we want to help you with your children because we know that, that, that there's a challenge that's involved in raising every child. We're dedicated to that. We're committed to that. We're also committed to influencing our culture. Last Sunday, I stood right here and invited you to something I'm going to invite you to again, and that's the Mayor's Prayer Breakfast coming up on Thursday, 7 o'clock in the morning at the Boys and Girls Club on Maria Drive. Why? Because we want to influence our community. The people who will be there, who will be our guests, are people who work hard and oftentimes get only criticism for the work that they do. But they're the principals of our schools and the directors of, of nonprofit organizations around our community and, and, and city council members and department heads of our city who go to work every day and they're trying to figure out how to deal with the budgetary problems that we have. And they're trying to find creative solutions that will help this community with all of its various families and all of its various cultures and all of its various perspectives. They're trying to figure out how to work out things so that all of us can enjoy living in this community. Friends, that's not an easy job. The more we can come alongside them and influence them, the better our community will be. And then last of all, improving our culture. We work at that day after day after day. Secondly, 
Let's take a look at what else it means at New Life. It means we're setting our sights on the adventure of the unachieved and unexplored. That's why we're going on the great adventure with God. We are inviting all of you and encouraging all of you. And all of us in leadership are saying, Okay, God, we want to explore what is the unachieved and the unexplored, even in our spiritual walk with you, in our daily connection with you. Would you take us places over the next 35 days that that we have never been before in our connection with you? And not just for 35 days, but that the next 35 days might set the tone for the rest of our lives. And then thirdly, we're dedicated to the adventure of managing every resource for the good of every person in our church, in our community, and in our world. And doing it all to please and bless God. The one thing you can say about new life is... You know, it's a safe and healthy place, but there's always a sense of adventure here. Have you noticed that? If you've only been here one Sunday, you'll probably figure that out before you leave. And I hope we never lose that. In fact, I don't want us to ever lose that. Because it's that willingness to challenge the unexplored in our community. You know, there's a reason why God enabled this church to buy this particular piece of property and build this particular building. You probably noticed it doesn't look like any other church in town, right? That's okay. It's it's That's the unexplored and the unachieved. And and God is enabling us to do things in ministry that, that haven't been done before in this community. What a wonderful adventure that God would enable us to do that. So that's why we want to go on another adventure with God and say, okay, God, what's next? Because certainly we are dedicated to all three of those things. So let me break out the great adventure for you over the next five to seven minutes. Because here's kind of where we're headed over the next 35 days. Number one, we've got five weeks of sermons. Today was about Adam and Eve. Next week it's going to be about Ruth. The following week it's going to be about Abraham and then about Paul and Then about Jesus, no, there was a Joseph in there somewhere too. So we're going to take a look at some of the most uh, well-known characters in the Bible, and we're going to look at their adventure with God and what we can learn out of their adventure with God. So we're going to do five weeks of sermons. We're going to do 35 days of prayer. On the way out, you're going to be given one of these that Bob already showed you. There are 35 daily devotionals based on 35 different passages of Scripture in the Bible. And... uh, Here's what I want to say to you. Find 10 to 15 minutes every day that you can turn off the TV, that you can get to a place where you can think and you have some time to reflect and and take some time to engage God, read through the Scripture, read through the devotional that will help you reflect on the Scripture. There's a suggested prayer at the end of every one of them. But the key is two things. You've got to have 10 to 15 minutes. Please don't pick this up and go, I've only got 30 seconds. I'll bust through that and check it off my list. Okay? No adventure in that. I can tell you that for sure. Okay? Second thing I want to say to you about this is, um, if you're married and your spouse is willing to do it with you, you will find that the progress you make and the sense of adventure you have will be heightened if you and your spouse will do it together. I know Monica and I are doing it together. So we're setting aside 10 to 15 minutes knowing us it'll be a half hour, but that's all right. And, and, and we will sit down and read through the Scripture and read through the devotional and we'll reflect on it together. 
and we'll hold hands and we'll pray through that sense of adventure and say, God, do something in us about this passage that we just read today and about the things we've just talked about so that this doesn't just change us for 15 minutes, but that we can hang on to something for the rest of our lives that we got in this 15 minutes. Okay? The next thing is 12 hours of prayer. Write this date down. It is June the 5th. We're going to do 12 hours of prayer. I believe it's going to start at 9 o'clock in the morning. We're going to have two or three rooms set up in this building that will be like little mini prayer sanctuaries. And so uh, we're going to encourage you to come and spend 15 minutes to a half hour or longer if you so desire uh, to come and, and be in one of those prayer rooms and just enjoy connecting with God over that 12-hour period of time. So you're going to come and more than likely there will be other people in that room already. So it'll be a wonderful time. There will be some things in that room that will help you and guide you through uh, however long you're able to stay in that room. So that's 12 hours of prayer run from, 12, um, from 9 o'clock in the morning to 9 o'clock at night. But look what's next. The concert of prayer. Are you beginning to catch a theme? Yeah. There's no sense of adventure if you don't connect with God. And the way you connect with God is through prayer. So we're going to end that 12 hours with two hours or an hour and a half, somewhere along that line, right here in this room with all of us gathered together for a wonderful concert of prayer. Does that mean we're going to ask you to pray for two hours? No, that's not what I'm saying, all right? The worship team is going to be here And they're going to lead us in wonderful times of worship. And then we'll have times to pray and we'll come back into worship and so forth. You don't have to have any previous prayer experience in order to enjoy that time and be effective in that time. We'll have various ways to pray, various settings in which to pray, various things to pray about and so forth. It's just going to be a wonderful, wonderful evening. I've already got it marked on my calendar. I'm really looking forward to that. It will be, for me, It'll be the first concert of prayer I've ever been to. So if you've never been to one, hey, we're all in it together, all right? I kind of have a feeling that the people leading us that evening maybe never have been to a concert of prayer either, all right? Didn't we talk something about the the unachieved and the unexplored? There you go. So that's right where we're going to be. Then take a look at phase two. You know what phase two is? In a moment of real creativity... I said, God, give me a great thing to talk about in terms of why you're calling us on this adventure. And he said, phase two. Are you impressed? Now we're talking about, okay, you know, several years ago, God began to call us on a journey, called me on a journey through a time of fasting and prayer and said, Ron, I want you to do these four things with the church. And they were all unexplored for me. And I headed into those not knowing what the outcome would be. And the eventual outcome was the purchase of of this property and the place that we now get to use as a church building and, and, and as a blessing to our community. And so God said, okay, now that you've done those four things and now that you have the church here, I've got a next phase for you and for the church. It's that next horizon. And you know, some of it I already know. He's already revealed to me. Had somebody stand on the way in. Uh, so what is it really? Okay. Well, I, I, I could tell you, but you're going to have to wait till June 17th. All right. No, I'm sorry. May 17th. Okay. Because that leads me to the next thing. And those are the vision events. Because God's still revealing some of this as we go along. And I'm pretty sure even when we get to the vision events, I won't know it all for sure then. 
Because if those of you who were around for the way back at the beginning of Ready, I stood in front of you and I held out a floor plan and and it had about 20,000 square feet. And I said, we're going to go lease property and we're going to build it out and use it for five to ten years. Was that exactly how it turned out? Well, no, it wasn't exactly, but, you know, it was where God got us started. So I don't know for sure all of what phase two looks like. But when you come to the vision events now, there are three of them, May 17, May 21, and May 24. May 17 is kind of initially designed for those of you who were here prior to 2008. You're the old timers. You know, that's a great thing about a church, when you can say the old timers are anybody who's been here longer than a year. What do you think about that? That's pretty cool, huh? So uh, then the one on May 24th is for those of you who have come in 2008 and 2009. And May 21st is for those of you who couldn't come to either one of those, okay? Now, you say, well, what if I can't come to May 17, but I was here before 2008 and I can't come to the 21st? Actually, you can come to any of the three because the material I'm going to be presenting is pretty much the same. It's just that there's some things I want to say to those of you who have been here longer and have put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into this church. And there's some things I want to say to you by way of appreciation. And for those of you who have come more recently, I've got some visionary things I want to lay out before you that those who have been here longer than a year or year and a half already understand that vision. But you'll have a good time at any of them. And then the last thing that I want to say to you is we have a celebration event coming up on June the 7th. I want you to write that date down right now because you're not going to want to miss that Sunday. We're going to do one service, believe it or not. The place is going to be packed out. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're going to do a meal afterwards. And um, we're, we're going to transform this place into a banquet hall in less than 15 minutes. So uh, that'll be a whole lot of fun. Big challenge. Big fun. But you know, the bottom line is this. Yes, we're going to celebrate. Yes, we're going to have a lot of fun as a church. But the most important thing is we're going to connect with God. I want to lead you in a pastoral prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for the great sense of adventure you're calling us to. Thank you for um, creating life with this wonderful sense of adventure. Thank you for giving us a sense of adventure even in the spiritual realm where we can connect with you in ways where you will move us and you will do in us what we can never do by ourselves. Thank you for teaching us those great truths. As we embark on this adventure, most of all, Father, amidst all of the activities, that you would help us to meet with you daily. For I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give your attention to the worship band? as they sing a song that encapsulates really everything I've said to you this morning. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.